Hello and welcome to the Tennis Fanalyst podcast. I'm Marcus Alley and joining me today is Michael Gillett as we're going to run through the goings-on in Cordoba, Singapore and Montpellier as the 250 events on the ATP Tour keep us going in a yeah a bit of a turbulent week after the Australian Open. How have you been coping, Michael? Yeah, I've got to say, I think since the tennis first returned after the first sort of... Uh, suspension uh, last year I think it's the first time that I've felt maybe a little bit overwhelmed with the tennis and I've felt uh, like I can feel happy not looking looking away a little bit from it maybe um, because there has been a lot going on this week uh, in terms of the free tournaments um, a, a couple of them are not sort of the the most appealing draws as we were just saying uh, prior to the recording but um the, you know there's been some brilliant results this week and uh you know i've still managed to be able to keep up with, with what's going on yeah the atp tour is always relentless and a bit unforgiving but you know having so much action and the game's coming thick and fast, it definitely gives you something to fall back on in these times. We're going to start in Singapore, which um, I didn't actually conclude on whether it was a new tournament tournament or not, but we both feel pretty certain that it is. And we've got a very exciting final here, I think, out of a draw that did not excite us as much as we thought. Probably out of the, the three potential finals at the tournaments, this one is is the most exciting, certainly in in my opinion. You've got the 23-year-old Kazakhstani player Alexander Bublik, who showed a lot of good signs this year. Um, got to, got to a, a, a tour event final already in in the first week of the tour, and you'd say he goes in as favourite to claim what I think would be his first tour title here in Singapore. He faces Alexei Popirin, who, despite being outside the top 100, the Australian player has shown some good form particularly in Australia in previous years. And now, <clears throat> excuse me, at 21 years old, is really showing that he can mix it on the tour on a more consistent basis. Um, he has actually got a one-up in the head-to-head record over Bublik coming in a challenger event in 2018. How much we can read into that, I'm not so sure with Bublik being a, a top 50 player and Poppy Rin not inside the top 100 yet. Um, but yeah, this one looks very good on paper, doesn't it? What, what What's your verdict on this matchup? Just before I give you that, I can conclude on our, our speculation around Singapore. I uh, just looked it up. It's actually uh, organised with a single year licence. Uh, so whether it's more just sort of a tournament to fill the calendar because of the ones that have been cancelled uh, due to COVID, uh, but it looks like this could be the only Singapore uh, tennis Open, it's called the Singapore Tennis Open, it might be that it's the only one um, yeah I think this is a, a really interesting final um, a, a nice young final as well uh, in terms of 21 year old against 23 year old, uh, Poppy Rin um, I think we both agree is that is a much better player than his ranking, uh, ranked 114th, uh, has been as high as 87th, so has been in that top 100 but um, yeah I think um you know, we'd agree that he's he, on his day, he's probably, you know, a top 60, 70 player. Um, and, and perhaps the new ranking system hasn't favoured him too well. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I, I think this 
should make for a, a really interesting match. Popperin playing uh, has played an extra match to Bublik because Bublik uh, had a bye in the first round. Um, Popperin just dropped a set to the other uh, another young exciting player, uh, Andriev, I believe, of Bulgaria. Um, Bublik dropping a set in his last match to Radu Albot. Uh, but I think the one that really stands out for me is Popperin beating Marin Cilic in straight sets. I mean, I know Cilic has seen better days, uh, certainly sort of post-pandemic. Um, Stolte hasn't really shown much form, but uh, he was looking good at this tournament. I think Marcus have backed him to win this tournament. And I thought it was probably a good a good um, prediction to make when I saw him going on well in the tournament. I wasn't expecting Popperin to beat him, to do it in straights was a... Really, really encouraging for the for the young Australian, who I think perhaps you know, looking at his ranking, I was very surprised to see that he's 114th. He's been on the scene sort of couple of years now. Was when he when he beat Public uh, uh, in that Challenger match. It was two years ago exactly, um, and uh, you know, so would have been 19 years old. I feel like he's perhaps just stalled a little bit in his uh, progression up the rankings, but hopefully for him. Uh, he can have a sort of a breakthrough week here and, and, and really find something to kick on from. Yeah, an interesting wrinkle on his uh, fortunes this week. Of the eight sets he's won, he's won three matches in straights and uh, just one he got took to three sets, as, as you mentioned. But five of those sets have been won on the tie break and he's actually never lost a tie break this week. Um, in, in the first round, he beat Christopher Eubanks in straights, both tie breaks. In the last round in the semi-final, he beat Chilic in straights, both tie breaks. So he's definitely got a lot of nerve. Um, he's definitely got a, a good serve. Um, he's got a, you know, he's quite a tall player. Um, not he's, he's still very mobile. Um, uh, he's not a, yeah, he's not not as one-dimensional as, as some players that we do see. Um, but yeah, I think that, that might say a little bit about the the head that he's got on his shoulders. And um, yeah, it definitely turns up in the big points. And yeah, I completely agree with you. The win against Marin Cilic is very impressive. I think maybe we saw him achieve his highest ranking because he's tend to do all right at the Australian Open in the last couple of years. And obviously that being a Grand Slam ranking points wise, getting to sort of the second or third round for a player that's ranked around where Poppy Rin is can, can cause a, a nice little jump into the top 90 in the world, um, which we have seen. So yeah, this this really has been his first um, impressive showing on on the usual tour and outside his his native country, so he's definitely a player that is on an upward trajectory and would be a player after this form more than anything else in his career. I'll be keeping a closer eye out on um, in the next few months. However, I have to say I think Alexander Bublik comes into this match as a big favourite. Um, he's got two years on Poppy Rin and. He was probably a similar sim, similar level player to Poppy Rin two years ago. And I just feel like he's he's had these highs and lows on the tour in the last couple of years, but he seems like he's coming out of the other side, a better player for it. And um, yeah, he came close in Antalya, I believe it was, to his first tour title. And I believe he's going to grab that in this match. I'll go for public in straights. Um, what are you saying? Yeah, just seen uh, Poppy Rin served 15 aces against Chilich. Uh six more aces than Chilich, who we know is quite a big server. So I, I wasn't actually aware. It looks like Poppy Rin is is a, a bit of a, a big server himself, always really important for young players to have that weapon in their artillery. Um, yeah, I'm starting to question whether 
Poppy Wren actually plays outside of the Australian tour. Uh, I, I feel like, as you say, he does really well uh, sort of in the Australian Open. I, I can never really remember anything else he does, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, of course, I know uh, he will be playing all year round. Uh, I think your prediction is uh, yeah, it's understandable. I, I'm going to go for Poppy winning three. Uh, I think the Chilich win really stands out for me. Also, a straight sets win against Matthew Ebden, who had just knocked out um, fellow Aussie as well, uh, John Millman, very good player. Um, yeah, I think I feel like I, I'm feeling good about Poppy Room for this final. I, although I do understand what you're saying with Public, you know, definitely probably has got those, those two years will help him massively. And I, I agree that sort of two years ago, he was probably at Poppy Ring's level. So, you know, it's whether Poppy Ring can um, really, really find it in him to uh, to be a more experienced and a slightly more rounded player, which I, I believe Public is. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think uh, Poppy, Poppy Ring's looking really, really good at the moment. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this off. I haven't, I haven't actually watched any of them any of him this week but uh, I think this will be a really good final and I believe that it will be tomorrow morning uh, I feel like I'll, I'll probably watch this actually um, makes for a nice Sunday morning uh, lockdown thing to do uh, so yeah I'm going to go Poppy Rin in three sets for sure it's an exciting match yeah I think I think you're, you've taken a lot more out of the Ebden ring than maybe I have, but maybe um, you have a right to do so. He's a top 50 player, of course. Um, whereas I've maybe looked at his, his current ranking and downgraded that as a as a victory. But no, it is a definitely a, a very good win in itself. Uh, moving away from Singapore then and on to Cordoba, the clay event in Argentina. And probably the main story of the week on the whole ATP tour is, well, it, I'm going to start in the, in the bottom semi-final and that is including 19-year-old, 335 in the world, Juan Manuel Thurundolo, um, the young Argentinian who also has an older brother, Francisco Thurundolo, in the, uh, was also in the draw but got knocked out. Um, and he's had some incredible wins this week. He beat Thiago Saboff Wild, who's a one-time tour event winner, similarly to Miamir Kecmanovic, who is also a one-time tour event winner who he beat along the way, and then experienced Brazilian clay campaigner Thiago Monteiro to make his way into the semi-final. And that's, I think he came through qualifying as well, so he's won about five games in a row to get to this stage, particularly the Monteiro win as well. These are some experienced campaigners that he's getting the better of. I don't think this can, we can really class this as a, as a flash in the pan considering the types of names he's beating. Um, th- th- right, I'm going to start again there. Thurundolo, not the easiest one to, to get through, faces Federico Correa, his countryman, in the semi-final. He's world number 95, and he's had some decent wins this week. Um, Correa is, is your sort of bog-standard Argentinian clay player. Uh, usually floats around sort of 70 to 100 in the world. He's had some good wins, as I mentioned, beating Dominic Kirkfer and Benoit Paire along the way to this semi-final, but you have to say it's not a real surprise to see him there. And he probably does come in as a narrow favourite against Thurundalo, but for me, this 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 match could go either way. Um, and yeah, it'll be exciting to see how the youngster gets on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm going to open with saying that I know nearly nothing about Thurundalo. Um, I only realised that there were two of them the other day. 
Um, I was a bit. I felt like I was seeing Surindulo, um as a name on Flashcore a bit too often on my notifications, thinking, "Well, he's already gone out, hasn't he?" Um, so yeah, I, I, I couldn't really tell you much about him, but th- th- there's some very good wins this week. Would you say Ketchmanovic is, is definitely the standout one? I think he was the second seed. Um, Serendolo obviously qualified for this tournament as well, so he's on a six-match winning streak. Um, I think I can safely say, without you um, correcting me this time, neither of these players have been in a, a final or won a title. So, um, you know, there, there's that on the line. Obviously, you know, I think we can understand. I think Serendolo wouldn't have actually played a, a main tour event uh, before this week. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really say much else on it with you know Correa obviously himself is is ranked only just inside the top 100 and you find him going in as favourite to get to a final seems a a little bit uh, of a a surprise but then again I have just predicted Poppy Rin to win a title he's ranked outside of the top 100 so uh, you know weird things happen in this level of tournament, uh, yeah, I, I can't really give you too much in-depth analysis on these two because I don't really know much about either of them. But uh, judging just by ranking and sort of the weeks that they'll have, um, I'll go for Correa to beat his second Surindula of the week. Uh, I'll, I'll go for Correa in straight sets, but, you know, I, I don't really know. Yeah, understandable with uh, Juan Manuel Thurundolo being such a sort of wild card run into the semi-final is sort of hard to gauge whether he's going to burn out or <laughs> become the next Rafael Nadal. It's, <laughs> it's quite hard to see at this stage having such a small sample size. Moving on to the top semi-final and there's a definitely a more familiar player in Albot Ramos Vinolas, 33-year-old, and he plays Facundo Bagnis in the semi-final. Now, I'd argue Facundo Bagnis has probably looked better than any other player in this tournament. He hasn't dropped a set in any of his matches. Whereas looking at Ramos, he's gone put, got pushed to a decider in all in all of them. Um, that being said, he's played much tougher opponents. I mean, he's beat Juan Ignacio Londero and Diego Schwartzman, which is two very, very impressive wins. Um, I remember I said before, before the tournament that... Um, only Schwartzman could get in Londero's way, or I hinted towards that, um, to, to win the title. Um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a throwback week for Ramos, the Spaniard. 33 now. I actually thought he was a bit older. Um, so, yeah, maybe he's got a few more few more years of uh, tormenting top 10 players like Schwartzman on the ATP Tour. He's 3-0 up in this head-to-head against Bagnis. Um, I didn't actually check the surfaces, but I would hazard a guess that all three of them have been on, on a clay court. So I want to explain... All in straight sets as well. All straight sets. Okay. Um, so, yeah, n- noting that, you'd, you'd think Ramos is quite clearly the favourite, but I, I feel like at his age and the sort of regularity that he's been playing in, in the last few years, with Bagnus spending less time on court, although he is a qualifier, actually, Bagnus, um, that that you might think that he could come into this one a little bit fresher than the 33-year-old. So I am going to gonna plump for Bagnis. I, I am aware I didn't give a prediction on the the last one, and I'm going to go for Correa with you as well. I think, um, yeah, just a more simple play, the more experienced player, more more wins at tour level. Um, but, yeah, you never know with Thurundolo. Um, so, yeah, I, I am going to go for Bagnis, which I see as maybe a, a, small, a small shock here, and I'm going to go for him to win the title as well. 
Yeah, uh, quite amazing. Obviously, the, those three meetings. Uh, the first meeting dating back to 2010. Uh, so 11 years ago, these two first met uh, and, and now play each other in a semi-final. Um, Bagness has, has never actually been in a final either on an ATP tour, which kind of surprises me a little bit. He's been as high as 55 in the world. I would have thought he would have uh, got up to a final, or maybe even a title on one of these sort of clay court 250s. But um, as far as my research saw, he he, he hasn't got to a, an ATP tour final before. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic week for him. Um, I would also say, though, although he's had some tough wins, some brilliant wins, as you say there. Uh, Schwartzman, the real standout win. A uh, very, very tough player to beat on a clay court. You know, one of just a few men, the, the very few men that I think can actually challenge Rafael Nadal on a clay court. We've seen him challenge him at the French Open, um, albeit of course, not win, of course. But um, yeah, so, so for Ramos to do that, I think it's a really good, really good result for him. Uh, he's got two titles, uh, which I thought maybe Ramos would have had uh, a few more, considering he was he was uh, uh, got as high as 17 in the world. His two titles coming in, Gustad and Bastad. Uh, try and say that without sounding rude. Um, the two, Scan I think they're both Scandinavian tournaments, both on clay. Uh, so he can add a bit more variety to the names of his, his titles by winning. Uh, Cordoba, uh, and I, I'd say he's probably favourite to win it. For me, I'm, I'm, I can see why you've gone for Bagness. I'm going to go for Ramos in straight sets. Um, but, you know, it's, it's so hard to predict, uh, especially these clay court 250s. You know, I think I said on the last episode, um, when we do our predictions, when they light up green or they light up red down the draws, and I said it could either be a sea of green or a sea of red. And I think both of our draws have have definitely been seas of red uh, for this one. Uh, Ramos being the only seeded player to make it to the last four. I don't think I even put any of these four players to make it past round two, probably. So, um, yeah, I think I had Ramos to go out in the first round. Uh, so it's so hard to predict, but I'll, I'll say Ramos in straight sets. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a surprise to all, I think, that we, we end up with these four players. My only certainty that I felt like... Um, made sense in my head ahead of this tournament was that Diego Schwartzman would win the title um, on his day, clearly the best player in the draw, but for, for some reason, you know, Ramos managed to, to get the win in, in three sets. Um, we're going to move on now to Montpellier. Uh, the relentless pace of this podcast will continue. And we've got an interesting final here where we've actually got the first seed meeting the second seed in the final, which is, extremely rare on a, a 250 level tournament which I, th I think is part of why we we love covering and and trying to predict them so much um it's going to be Roberto Bautista Agu of Spain against David Goffin of Belgium 32 years old is the Spaniard 30 years old is the Belgian player just two places separating them in the rankings, RBA 13 and Goffin 15. Both players have a handful of tour titles to their name and both similar styles, actually. I can definitely see some really long rallies in this matchup. Um, they've, they've both had quite simple routes to the final, you'd have to say. I think they've gone into every match as favourite. Uh, Bautista Agu was able to get past Ugo and Bear in the quarterfinal, is my pick to win the tournament. Um, 
that was definitely the, his his standout win so far. Your pick to win the tournament, Michael Yannick Sinner, sadly went out in the first round to Aliash Bedene, which came as a a, a real shock. Um, so so yeah, it's been a, a, a quite a surprising tournament. You know, our picks haven't come off, but we we end up with the first seed versus the second seed in the final, and uh, definitely. Uh, um, a, a two players that have played plenty of times, I'm, I'm sure, over the years in, in battling in and around that sort of between 10 and 20 in the rankings, Mark. Yeah, um, it's 3-2 there to head to Goffin. Sorry, I don't know if you, you might have already said that. Um, no, OK. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very close head to head. Um, but yeah, just before I talk about this match, actually, um, just about that Yannick Sinner loss to Bedene, uh, I think, yeah, I'm, it's concerning. I mean, I don't want to, it's not a crisis losing one match on an ATP 250 level, but I think the one thing that's kind of surprised me with Sinner, or impressed me most about Sinner, is sort of having that sort of consistency. I mean, he won sort of back-to-back titles, one coming at the end of last year, one at the very beginning of this year, and I you know, I wasn't certain he was going to win the tournament, but I was pretty certain he would have got through that match very comfortably. I think I even said on the podcast that um, the last podcast that he was going to win that quite easily. So, yeah, I mean, better than a good player on his day, but um, yeah, a little bit of a concerning loss for Sinner. Whether we can take too much from it, I don't know. Um, he had a great start to the year, put up a good showing in the um the first round of the Australian against Shapovalov, considering how much tennis he played. I think it was four matches in three days prior to that match. Um, but yeah, not not great for Sinner. Um, hopefully he can come back and sort of recover from it because he looked very good on a clay court uh, at the French Open at the end of last year. So with those clay court tournaments approaching, uh, it'd be good to see him return to form. Uh, so, yeah, Batista Goffin, I think this is another match I quite like to watch. Uh, as you say, a lot of rallies, both both quite short players, I think, uh, for, compared to a lot of players on the tour, um, which we like because there's not just loads of power behind the serve. You, you will get very tactical, drawn-out battles that uh, I really do like watching, especially on a, an indoor court. Um, it's very, very... Um, be a very interesting matchup. Uh, I think Goffin has impressed me quite a bit in, in the sense I know he drop sets to Bonzi and Grasimov, but that straight sets win against Lorenzo Senego, I, I was really impressed by actually. Senego, a very good player on an indoor court and quite an informed player if you look at sort of um, the sort of the last half a year, maybe post pandemic. Uh, Senego sort of come on a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that. Roberto Batista has looked the stronger player, uh, not dropping a set, beating Hugo and Bear. Um, and I'm going to go for God, go Wovchik. Uh, no, go Jovchik, uh, the German player. I never like it when he gets deep into a tournament, so I'm going to try and remember how to say his name. Um, I'll credit Marcus for that, uh, who is teaching me how to say it again, pretty pod. Um, but, you know, he's a very good player on his day. Uh, and, and annihilated him in the second set. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go for Bautista to win in three sets. It's going to be a very long final, very drawn out, uh, lots of, of rallies. But I think Bautista will, will get it out of the way, uh, get it over the line. 
Yeah, I, I see Bautista Agu as a, a bit more of a warrior than David Goffin. I don't, I don't know what makes me say that really, but um, maybe he's got a little bit more grit in there. But I think it'll be a close match. I can see this one going to a decider. I think Goffin's got better ground strokes. I think Goffin's got a bit more, packs a bit more of a punch. Um, but I think RBA will be able to work him out by the, by the end of the match. Um, so I'll go for a, a win in three for Bautista Agu. Um, just on a, a few more players, actually, Michael, what, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think you probably think that about, they're, they're very similar in terms of ranking and sort of achievements. Uh, Bautista got a few more titles, but I, I think that's probably why you think about Bautista, because we have actually seen him get to the deeper rounds of a Grand Slam. He's been a Wimbledon semi-finalist. We've seen him beat, believe it, I believe he beat Djokovic, uh, uh, was it to win the Shanghai Masters uh, or get to the final? Uh, he's he's beaten Djokovic at the, the Shanghai Masters. I just can't remember if it was the final or might have been a semi. If I, I'm not sure it was the final, but um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was just going to quickly. Uh, I said to you before, I had a little bit of trivia for you. Um, before we move on from Marseille, because this trivia is relating to Marseille, I don't really expect you to know Marseille. this. But it's more just kind of mean Marseille. Uh, Montpellier, Montpellier. Sorry, um, it is on Montpellier. Um, so we've got, uh, in, in the last eight years, uh, seven of those years, this title has been won by a French player. Uh, obviously, this year won't happen because uh, we've got a, a Belgian and a Span- Spaniard in the final. But it's been a very, very, very French-dominated tournament. Even in that time, there were only two finalists in those eight years who weren't French. The vast majority of these finals have been a French player against a French player. I was just going to ask you if you want to try and name the... Uh, try and tick off from those eight years as seven years that have been won by French players. They're shared by four French players to win the Montpellier final. And for a bonus question, can you get the non-French player who won it in 2017? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. I feel like I'm on question of sport, but a lot more <laughs> geeky. Um, right. I, I, I feel quite good about this. I've got going Gail Monfils first pick. Yeah, he won it. He's won it twice, uh, 2014 and 2020. Okay. Then Joe Wilfred Songa. Won it once in 2019, and that was his last title. Right. See, this is where Ugo really, Ugo and Bear really let me down this year. You know, he should have carried on the trend. Uh, let's go for Richard Gasquet. Yes, a three-time winner. Twenty. In fact, actually, I think he won it before this uh, eight-year period. I think he'd even won it uh, once before that. So he's actually a four-time winner. Uh, but winning it in 2013, 2015, and 2016. Uh, so you've got one more French winner. Uh, and then the the 2017 non-French yeah. winner, who I'll give you a clue, uh, is a top ten player. What currently? Yes. Yeah. All oh, right. Uh, well, that should, that should make it easy then, shouldn't it? Uh, and that that's the non that's the non-French. Oh uh, right. Oh, sorry. Winner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so back into it. Uh, Monfils, Songa, Gasquet already. Three of the, the four winners, did you say? Uh, the four French, French winners French over the last four. eight years, yeah. I've got two names in my head. Um, I feel like I might be missing a glaringly obvious one. So I'm going to 
ask for a clue. Can you tell me the year of what this person won the tournament, please? Okay. Uh, 2018 uh, was this last French winner. They won it one time, 2018. And then 2017 was the non-French winner, who is a top 10 player. Yeah, okay. It doesn't help me so much. I feel like I'm, I'm missing someone glaring. Were you hoping for uh, me to say 2013 and you could go for like a Michael Oh, right. No, yeah. Another name's popped in my, into my head, thankfully. The two in my head were Jeremy Shardy and Nicholas Mahou, but I'm going to eradicate those and go for a name that's just popped into my head, which is Benoit Pair. Uh, good shout. All three of them are good shout. All three of them are wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit of a toughie, this one. Okay. Is it, are you going to let me carry on guessing or am I locked out? I mean, yeah, it's going to come guess the player this, so I can just, I can just tell you. Do you want to have a go at the top 10 player? Uh, No, to be honest, I I don't. Okay, fair enough. The the top 10 player that won it in 2017 was uh, Alexander Zverev, probably one of his first titles. Uh, And in 2018, uh, Luca Poi. Yeah, uh, I did think that was quite a hard one because he's sort of been a little bit I'm, I'm not really sure where he's been, but um, well, yeah, been injured is where well, he's yeah, been. He had a lot of injured, a lot of injuries, but he's still ranked quite highly because of the the new system. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, that was just a, a a little bit of trivia. The just on the side, the only two other non-French players to make the finals in the last eight years uh, were Jerzy Janowicz and Vasek Pospisil. So uh, it's very very French dominated tournament but then thinking maybe because we haven't got a crowd uh, this time around that could be a factor as to why uh, the French players haven't done so well this year um, and I think less of them playing but um, uh, Monfils didn't play this tournament, Gasquet didn't play this tournament, uh, Songa did, um, I don't even think Poy played did he? Uh, no uh, he did didn't he yeah. yeah um, lost to Bonzi in the first round. That was it Bonzi yeah um, another French player but yeah I think yeah Anyway, uh, that was just a, a little bit of trivia. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about some some other players in, in Montpellier. Yeah, one match that stood out, and maybe this plays into you mentioning how the lack of a crowd might have uh, inhibited the French players a little bit. Um, it was Hugo Humbert's uh, last 16 match against Talon Greekspoor, the 24-year-old Dutchman. He's actually 160 in the world and has really flattered to deceive despite some quite impressive performances at ATP tour level. We're talking 250-500 level um, wins, so nothing nothing too major, but he's a player that's shown more potential than he's been able to realise so far in his career. And Hugo Humbert, who really wasn't at his best in that last 16 match, managed to beat him 6-7-7-6-7-6, a brutal match, as, as close as it could possibly be. Greek Spore had three match points and passed them all up, obviously. But he also beat Marcus Giron uh, along the way, which is a, a decent win on an indoor hard court. So maybe a player to look to to maybe push that top 100 this year if he can uh, if he can get it together in the, in the closing moments. Then I've got Igor Garasimov, who beat Andy Murray, Aliash Bedene and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina before losing out to David Goffin in the semi-final. And then the return of Peter Goyovchik, who's just recently lost to Roberto Bautista Agu quite convincingly. Um, but he beat Jean-Anad Struff, Yuri Vesely, who's a good player on his day, and then Denis Novak, who probably did quite well to make his way to the stage of the tournament that he did. But 
a former top 50 player in the last few years. Goyovcic currently ranked 144. So good to see him back on the tour. He's 31 years old, so maybe not a player that we can see beating that career high, but he definitely showed some good form in, uh, in, in his time where he did did break through. I think it's sort of 2018, maybe 2018 or 19 was was his best year of, of his career by far. But anyway, that that rounds off Montpellier. We, we've definitely got an, uh, an exciting final to look forward to in that tournament. But that rounds off. Uh, anyway, sorry, we I'll should go probably right mention. Uh, we probably should mention Andy Murray. Um, obviously, playing his first tournament back on the tour for uh, four or five months. I think uh, lost in the first round, but won a set, didn't he? I didn't see any of that match against Gerasimov. Um, so quite quite a, a tough match. But he's also playing next week in Rotterdam uh, and has actually been given, I don't know if you've seen the draw yet, Marcus, but he's been given a, a nice first round. Uh, wildcard Andy Murray playing fellow wildcard Robin Harse, who uh, must be getting on a little bit now. Um, so uh, it's still a very tough match for Murray, but one I would expect Murray to come through. Yeah, he did lose out in straights to uh, Garasimov. Oh, he, had a, he had a set point in a mega tie break that he lost 10-8 in the first set. Um, you feel like you'd want Murray to win the first set so he can believe he can do it in straights, coming from behind with the, the fitness that he's got or the, the hip. I mean, we kind of remains to be seen how strong he could be at his, at his best and what what the new ceiling is for Andy Murray. But yeah, definitely on that point, I, I have seen the draw. Robin Harsay as his home tournament in Rotterdam, but it's a very, very kind first round meeting for Murray. I fully expect him to win that match. Although um, maybe there'll be a more revealing match in that tournament because I noticed that he, he should play, should he win his first round match, or maybe he's got to buy Andre Rublev in the second round. Now that that could really show us where Murray's at. I know he beat um, he beat Alexander Zverev in one of the tournaments just before the U.S. Open, and that made me think like there's still a player in there um, if he can somehow with the mega operation he had find some some fitness and play some pain free tennis. So should it get to that stage, that should be a very interesting matchup. But he, of course he's got to get past Robin Harsey first. So. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it was disappointing to see him lose to Garasimov. He, he, did, he did come in as, as probably the narrow favourite for that match. But Garasimov's gone on, gone on to have a good week. So kind of justifying Murray's Murray's defeat somewhat. But no, I'll be definitely supporting him against Robin Harsey next week. If you haven't got anything else to mention, I think it's going to be the return of Guess the Player to conclude this episode. Uh, yeah, um, to be honest, I was going to put quite a lot of time and thought into this uh, guest player, but I ended up kind of rushing it because I forgot to do it. So it's kind of just a stand, standard clues. Um, but I'll do what you normally do, uh, opening up the first clue with the age. Um, just if you don't know how this works, five clues. Uh, Marcus has got to guess the, the player, or get a guess after every clue. They get uh, a bit more revealing as it goes through. Uh, first clue is I am 28 years old. Okay. Yeah, there's probably tons of players that are 28. There's a few that I've, I've looked at with that age during my research for this pod. So maybe you're trying to di- double bluff me with going for potentially obvious one. Um, let's go Federico Correa. Uh, no, not Federico Correa. Uh, 
question uh, clue two I think Federico Cora will be would be proud to boast this uh, clue two I have three career titles okay three career titles at 28 very very respectable probably a player that commands a career high above 30 maybe even above 20 maybe even more never know um, so just thinking down that road, 28, if they've been top 30, top 20-ish. Uh, let's go for Nikolas Basilashvili. Uh, no, probably a, another good guess, probably about that. Uh, question, sorry, clue three. Uh, I have played this week. So it narrows it down a little bit. Uh, been in action uh, in the past week. Sure. Um Three titles. So decent player at 28 involved this week. Jean Alod Strust probably around that age, but he's never won a title. Uh, let's look to Cordoba. Has he not? Struff no, never, won Struff never won a title, no. Wow. Um, we want the best players not to. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, he had a decent 2020, to be fair to him. Uh, nothing's really jumping out to me too much. Uh, Singapore, Chilich was was probably the big name in terms of pedigree. Uh, who was the top seeds? You had Manorino, Benoit Pair. Benoit Pair's won three titles, I think. But I think he might be. I think he's older than twenty eight. But the titles is probably around accurate, so I'll keep that one in the back of my mind as a little reserve. Uh, right. In fact, he was in. He, he was playing in uh, Cordoba, so I don't know why I just pulled him out as the second scene in Singapore. But um, I'm struggling, really, so I'm going to have to go with the one name that I've got, which is Benoit Pair. Benoit, I'm, I would think Benoit Pair is at least 32 years old. Uh, I don't know, possibly, but not, not Benoit Pair. Uh, clue four, I have been, uh, or I am a former Grand Slam semi-finalist. See, my knowledge of these goes... There's a, there's a sort of grey area between maybe sort of 2017 and 2014 where it was so dominant by the big three, I kind of just I phased, I zoned out a bit when it got to the, the latter stages. Yeah, there's so many semi-finals when you get someone sort of popping up and you just wouldn't give them any hope. 28, Luca Pui could have three career titles. I think he's just younger than 28. I think he's maybe 27. 28 is not not a mad one to think, though. No. Yeah, let's go for Luca Pui. Mm, second time. Uh, well, no, you didn't guess Luca Pui in the last one. Um, I'm afraid, though, uh, it's not correct. Um, I'm surprised you haven't got this one, to be honest. I, I thought you might have on that fourth clue. The fifth clue, I, I think you'll probably kick yourself when I give you the fifth clue, because I think you should get it from this one. Uh, clue five is I'm from South America. For some reason, you had me down the uh, Ernest Gulbis trail. However, I think he's a bit older than 28 and obviously not South American. Interesting. South American. That would lead me to think he played in Cordoba, but obviously there's a big chance that he didn't. So I'm struggling now. I'm going to have to take some time to think about it. It's the sort of people of this age that I don't, I don't really concentrate on that much, I think. I think so. The sort of under 23s and the over 32s, you tend to know pretty well. 
they weren't exactly massive draws, so some more names should uh, reveal themselves. Singapore, obviously, you had those Aussies at the bottom of the draw with Millman, South American, so it's not Schwartzman, Londero, surely not three titles, maybe a similar age, definitely not a Grand Slam semi. Don't know, struggling to be honest. What big South American countries we got? Argentina, Brazil, you've got Montero, and that's it, and it's not him. So it, it, the chances are it's a miscellaneous Argentinian because there's tons. Um, Pablo Cuevas didn't play this week and he's older than 30, uh, 28. About 10 years, I think. Yeah, pushing <laughs> well, Maybe not quite, but yeah. Um, there's tons of Argentinians. You've got Pella, who pulled out in the end before this week, so it's not Pella. Juan Monaco is not around anymore, sadly. Definitely <laughs> he definitely is a decade older than 28. Possibly more. Del, Benis, Del Bonis is older. Did... I, has Del Bonis ever made the semi-final at the uh, Grand uh, No chance. Absolutely no chance. <laughs> what are these big countries? Maybe if I know the country and it's not Argentina, it'll stand out. So you've got Chile. You've got Hari. Garin didn't play. Cecchinato would have been in there, made a Grand Slam semi, but he's uh, not South American. I've got to think of a player that fits before I admit defeat. I've got to have one stab in the dark. Yeah. Three career titles. They must have been a decent player. Can I Can I intervene? Um, you, you have actually said their name. And you just seem to dismiss them when you said that you just said it's not them. And I'm like, I don't know why, because I don't think this is that hard. Oh, right. I was just very surprised when you didn't really give a reason, but you just said it's not and then said their name. And I was sitting there just like, well, it is. Oh. Uh, have we got an... Is it Guido Pella then? No. Oh. What? Londero's won three titles and made a Grand Slam semi final. You said his name just before Londero, and you were just like, it's not this person. And I was just like, well, it is. Oh, Jesus. There's so bloody many. Yeah, but I, I want to put you out of your misery. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you haven't got this. Oh, right. I've, I've kind of lost the plot then, haven't I? Well, it's, it's Diego Schwartzman. It's the best Argentinian player. Oh, right. You just, you just said it's not Diego Schwartzman. And I was just like, well, what do you mean? Fair enough. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You, you're not on. You're obviously, you've had a little bit of an off day there, Mark. I've overthought it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have. Um, yeah. <laughs> that did make me laugh, though. Yeah, that's a bit of a stinker. That's up there with Casper Rude, that is. That, yeah, I think I think that's worse to be yeah, honest. That's a brave um, Schwartzman definitely a bit more of an accomplished player than Casper Ruiz. Um but yeah, that, that did that did entertain me a bit. Uh, but it also was quite painful to watch. Um, especially when you said his name, but you only said it in the sentence, it isn't this person. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's funny. I think I, I convinced myself that it was someone who'd wasn't in the top uh, at the top of their game anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because we do that so often. I guess it's just kind of a double bluff. Yeah. Oh well, right. well, 
that's uh I'm not we're not gonna spend any time talking about Diego Schwartzman because I think the pod after that uh is probably uh run its course. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh um I'll I'll let Marcus do the outro. Yeah. Great player. Um Really let the side down, all these Marcus fans that pick a side listening to the Tennis Fanless podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, don't hold any grudges. And we'll be back next week to preview the tournaments in Rotterdam and Buenos Aires. Hope you enjoy the conclusions of these three tournaments. I know for sure that we will. And remember to stay safe. <laughs>